Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Brought to you by Knights of Awakening. This is the Labyrinth. Well, folks, it has been a, a crazy couple weeks, months. Feels kind of like years. Um, not going to lie. Really does. Uh, I want to address some of the things going on in the world today. Some of what's been happening. Night's Awakening has always been about hope and peace and justice and mercy and all of the other nightly agreements that we hold to mean something to us. But sometimes we need to bring it back a bit to what's going on and address the world, what's happening, and really kind of give our view on it so that as knights we can help others do something positive with all of the negative going on. And that's my endeavor here. So before I go any further, I'll be talking a lot about my life, things I've seen, things I've experienced, Um, but I'm a white guy. I want you to understand that. Now, this is on audio and radio. When this goes up on blog talk, it will be on audio only. Um, if I can get Justin to edit this into video, which I think he can probably quicker than I can, and then upload it, it'll be on Facebook with audio on an image, and we might even get it up on the YouTube channel. I'd like to see this uh, hit a couple different platforms, and I'm going to talk with him on that. He doesn't even know I'm doing the recording, so right now he's listening to this going, yeah, give me more work. Give me more work. But I want to say before we go any further, i make it very clear. I'm a white guy. You can't see me right now. Um, and I'm coming from the experiences of a guy who's been white in the U.S. And what those experiences have been. And how I can relate to some of the people in the ways that I can relate. Who are black and what they've been through. Nobody has the same experiences in this world, but a lot of black people are sharing common experiences. And as a guy who was poor and pagan, I have experienced some prejudices against me. And I've experienced a system that is designed to keep people right where they start at. And I fought against it. And it would have been a lot harder had I been black. It would have most likely been a lot more difficult for me to make a lot of the connections I did, meet the people I met, and do a lot of the things that were necessary. Um, I don't even know how much of the story would have turned out the same. Some parts of it, though, would be strikingly familiar to you if you are black and you're dealing with just life in general, um, except that I had more moments of peace in between events, and I had more opportunities naturally available to me. I never had to worry about walking down a street at night and being charged with being criminally black. They don't charge you with being criminally black. But we did have an area that was considered a bad area that was a uh, primarily, quote-unquote, white housing project 
where people lived that I walked through knowing that it was risky and knowing that there were dangers and learning to inoculate myself, I guess, against some of those dangers emotionally. And that's nothing compared to living in the inner city where people are shooting each other daily. And all we had were stabbings. But you kind of die either way, whether you get stabbed or shot. And I know what it was like to have to walk on that path through that place to my job that I worked at when I worked at a grocery store. So to rewind the clock for you, um, I did not get to complete college. My mother died shortly before I went to college. I had a very hard time dealing with holding down a job in a small town, going to college with no vehicle, and having almost no friends or family to back me up on this. I know what it's like to be alone in a bad situation or not have a lot of people that will help. And I did have some people that helped at certain points. I had some people that betrayed me at certain points. So I get it. And this is not going to be my whole life story. But I know what it's like to be poor. I know what it's like to be food stamp, HUD, energy assistance, you know, upper East Coast poor. Okay? Which is not the same as inner city poor. All of our drug dealers were primarily pills. You know, all of our people doing bad stuff were primarily popping pills or selling pills or popping and selling pills and a bit of weed here and there, things like that. All of our violent crime was basically knives. And for black people who live in the suburbs, this may be very familiar. And for black people that live in the inner city, you're probably like, wow, it sounds like paradise. And I get that. I cannot fully understand what you go through. But in recounting some of the things I've been through, I'm hoping that the white people who go, well, the world isn't, you know, that bad. I want you to understand that what I'm going through as a white person, every black person has went through most of their life, or at least most black people have, plus more. And if you can hear a white guy say that the system is messed up and that these parts of it are happening to us too, maybe you can empathize a little. And maybe you can't. But I've got to come from my point of view as I try to understand what you are going through as a black person. And if you're hearing this, understand I'm not making a comparison. This is not to put them on the same level. I think I've gotten that out of the way. I'm sure people will take it wrong. Some people will. Some white people will. Some black people will. Um, some people of other races will. That's fine. Um, half of what is heard is in what the listener wants to hear. And I get that too. A good buddy of mine who is a minority, he's not black, but he is a minority, has often said to me, Charles, our real enemy are the rich people because they benefit from keeping all of us down. And I've watched you struggle against this and finally overcome them as I have. And the sooner we understand that they benefit from our suffering, and pitting us against each other, the better off we'll be. I don't think that there's one particular rich guy doing this. I think that they benefit from having us at each other's throats. So as someone who's been through some of these experiences, I want to give you my unity on this and tell you that I'm there to stand with you, not only in ending racism, but also making sure that we all have opportunities so that you have the same opportunities that I had without discrimination slowing you down, but so that 
you also have the opportunities I didn't have. And so that people where I came from have the opportunities that I didn't have, because until the system allows people to rise and better themselves, no one benefits. And I think that's a big part of the problem is that it's really easy to control people. If you can convince, you know, one portion of the poor population, the other portion of the poor population are at fault. And if you can pin it on color, that's even easier, isn't it? Right? So I have went to work and done my hardest and been injured and told that if I didn't get back as soon as I could, I was fired. You get back right now. Uh, so I went in on a busted knee, which never really healed right. I've went in with torn back muscles, which never really healed right. And now I suffer for that. I do a little. I won't take painkillers for it because it's not that bad yet. But I have bad days now as I approach 40 when I should be still pretty vigor. Eh, not as much as you'd hope. Um, messed up ankles, all of that from that, from working a dead end job and being told I should be thankful for it. And if you're black or if you're poor or if you're black and poor or if you're anyone who's been poor and worked in the one of these industries, uh, tell me if this sounds familiar to you. You should be thankful you have this job. I heard that a lot. You should be happy you have a job because everyone here can be replaced. I heard that a lot too. I worked at a grocery store. I won't name names in this. God, I want to. Um, But I think naming names would be wrong. And that's not the guy I want to be. I mean, it's kind of the guy I want to be, but it's not the guy I'm going to be today. So working at this store, being the guy I was, I put in a lot of hours at one point, got myself off of the housing, but not off the food stamps at first. I remember that I did this by going on night shift and breaking my body further for the benefit of someone else so that I could make a whopping $10 an hour in the middle 2000s. And I felt pretty good about myself for accomplishing that. I was an idiot. To be really honest, I was a moron. I didn't know what money was. Not really. And I didn't know what should be a living wage for anyone. I worked the cash register quite a bit. I know what it was like to be looked down on because everybody who comes through a grocery store looks down on everyone behind the counter. I actually helped a guy through on the self-serve once because that was the machine I ran. And yes, someone runs that machine. And yes, it was me. And I know it's taking people's jobs. I heard that. I had to show up to run it, but it's taking someone's job somewhere. And I get it. I had to hear that every day. And then I will never forget the day that I had a guy come through. I wasn't allowed to close my machine, but I had no one else around. So I said, here, let me just run your stuff through for you. You know, save you a bit of the hassle. Because he was, he was mad. He hated it. The fact, the machine was there. And my managers wanted more people going through that machine. They wanted numbers. They wanted numbers to show to the higher-ups, to the people at corporate. Because corporate's what matters. Corporate makes the decisions. Corporate does what it needs to do in corporate is the power that you will bow down to and you will kiss its, well, yeah, you, you get the idea. So as I'm helping this guy through, he is just a tirade of worthless, useless, as he's calling me. And finally, as my self-respect began to buckle a little, 
I said to him, I said, sir, I, I show up like everyone else does in this world. I put in my, I put in my eight hours and I just try to live the best life that I can. I'm sorry that this has been a bad experience for you. I'm doing the best that I can here for you. And he looks at me and he says, well, they like to hire your kind around here. I'll never forget that because I am uh, probably about as white as the fallen snow. I'm a pale guy, redhead. I didn't know what my kind was. I'm not even sure what his kind was. This is a little white guy. But apparently I fit some kind of mold for his uh, hatred of people. Maybe he just hated all people. Maybe he hated heavyset people or bald people or, or redheads. I don't know. Um, I understood for one brief split second what those brief split seconds must be like for people who are not white. Um, and I don't, I don't know really what it would be like to experience that every day. I can't imagine. It would be heartbreaking. It would be heart-wrenching. I, I guess like walking through the dangerous part of town, you get used to it and you shouldn't have to. And you know you shouldn't have to, which makes it even more heartbreaking that it's like that. I remember, what, what do I want to hit on? Um, I remember a racist coming in to our store and he comes up to the cashier. I worked overnights. Okay, remember? You got to remember, I had to, I had to struggle to get this position. I wasn't allowed to be a cashier at first because when I started... Men didn't cashier because there was sexism in these places that reigned supreme. A women cashier and men stock shelves. Men push carts and women cashier. And that's how it is. And if you wanted to use your brain to move up in the company through the cashier side, which is how you moved up the quickest, that was too bad. And I had a background in computer repair. Didn't matter. They didn't believe I was intelligent enough to hit buttons on a keyboard and swipe things across the scanner because I was a man and I wasn't as well-spoken back then. I hadn't started with the Knights of Awakening. I hadn't went through the Jedi community. I hadn't run projects in either one of those. I was a guy who stuttered a lot. Like, you know, at the start of this episode, I know I stuttered a little bit because I'm a little nervous because I don't want this to sound like I'm coming from a high horse and I don't want it to sound like I know what you're going through if you're going through terrible things and you're black, I mean, if you're black, you're going through terrible things right now. But I don't want to sound like a know-it-all and I don't want to sound like I'm giving false sympathy because I, this is going to sound so terrible. I have too many friends that are black to want to do that. But moreover, even if I had no friends that were black, I would still not want to cause you harm with my experience by making you think I was saying that it's the same. So remember that little bit of stuttering at the start of this? Yeah, multiply that by about 50, and that was me back then. So with that, I had to fight tooth and nail to get a cashier position. It wasn't until we had a store meeting where one of the people in corporate kept asking questions, and I, who hate to have a void, I hate voids, I hate I hate silence because that means everyone has given up. That's why I am in such support of this movement because I will always champion a battle cry. I will always, at least if it's the right battle cry, if it's for something I believe in and I hate silence. 
silence is the ultimate mind killer. They say fear is, but no, it's silence. Because in silence, terrible things happen. But also in silence, you show that you don't care, that you're not even trying. So I, I, I abhor silence on a level that you cannot imagine. Um, probably have a, a some kind of hidden hidden fear against the way I ramble off the mouth. So with that, when he would ask questions like, what does this mean? What does that mean? What is this an abbreviation for? I would raise my hand and answer when no one else did. Eventually, I was the only one answering because no one else wanted to because they didn't want to look like an idiot in front of Big Boss. You know, the guy who comes in, he's got a golden badge, a golden badge. He's got golden hair and a golden tie and probably golden underwear. Okay, He's only one level above the store manager, okay? He's not that high up, but he, you think he is, you think he is. Um, I've, I've gotten so sidetracked. So I had to, I, it wasn't until that that they even let me on the cash register because I was too dumb because I, I was a man and, and men stocked shelves and women ran the registers. I don't know. That was, that was the town I lived in. It was weird. It was backwards. It was kind of like a backward sexism. Um, with that, I was allowed an opportunity to start to learn the register because he walked up to my manager and said, what are you doing to move this guy up through to my to my direct supervisor? And she was like, I've been begging them, but they won't move him up because they said he's a man and he doesn't know how to run a register. And he was like, that man right there would probably run a register better than any 20 other people in the front of your store. And she was like, well, I agree. I mean, he fixes computers in his spare time. And he goes, he does? Oh, God, bless that supervisor of mine. She was the sweetest person. And they actually drove her to a mental breakdown at one point. I'm not going to get into that. Again, won't name names. Can't get me in trouble if I don't name the names. But it was bad. I got heartbroken watching her get broken. Um, I remember I was so close to just beating someone's rear end over that. But she got me on to register, got me trained. They put me on overnights. And I walk in. And there's this guy. He's a racist. And I know he's a racist, not because he had a shaved head, because I shaved my head, too. It was actually a sign that I had failed in my training as a Jedi, and I had failed as a person in a situation that I'm not going to get into all of, because there's only so much time for this episode, and I've only got so much voice to give. And I've been talking to friends all day long, trying to make sure they're okay. So, yeah. Um, but... I had shaved my head because I didn't have a right to have hair yet. And this guy looks at me while he's talking to this cashier, this little, little tiny girl, little tiny white girl. You know, oh yeah, the black man is stealing from you. He's doing this and he's doing that. So I stopped and I listened because I am 300 and some odd pounds and big and bearded. And I look like I chew steel and crap ammunition. And I wanted to hear what this guy had to say, because you don't do this in my store. You don't do this to my cashier. And she's there trying to not pay attention. She's like, I really, I don't know what you're talking about. No, that's, I've never seen this. And he's going on and on about what the black man is doing. Finally goes, he goes, you know what I'm talking about, right, brother? So I unzipped my big blue coat that I was wearing and he's seen my name tag and he goes, oh. And I said, all right. So, you say the black man is stealing our jobs. He goes, yeah, that's right. I said, okay. He said, I said, the black man is stealing from us all the time. He says, that's right. They steal out of your store more than they want us. Okay, give me a second. 
He goes, what? I said, don't move. So I run up and down the aisle because I'm a bit of an ass sometimes. And when you're a racist, I want to make you look like an idiot. So I run up and down the aisle. I come back and say, I don't see a black guy in here stealing anything. In fact, there's five people in the store. The only black guy in here works for us. And I'm not going to say his name. But I said, you know, uh, he's one of our best stalkers, if not the fastest stalker on our crew. And he ain't stealing nothing. I trust him with my life. I said, you, on the other hand, uh, I think your time is about up. And he looks at me and goes, well, you can't kick me out. And I said, look here. So you got five seconds to either buy something and leave, because legally, I can't kick you out if you're buying something or if you have intent to buy something. So you got five seconds. You can either buy something and leave or you can go. And he goes, well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to call up my manager. He hates racists as much as I do. And uh, again, I'm not your brother. Don't don't mistake me for your brother. I'm going to call him up. And he's going to call up the city police. And him and I are going to escort you out. Or they're going to escort you out. If him and I escort you out, you're going to be banned from the store for life. Which I would way prefer right now. If they escort you out, which I would love, you will be arrested. And I will see to it that some charge is found and put on you. Well, you, you can't do that. He says as he's moving towards the door, as I'm picking up phone, you, you can't do that. What are you going to do? So he heads, out, he heads out the store. And I breathe my sigh of relief that this is over. And at this point, as a white guy in America, I start to realize how bad it really is in my little town where we ran the KKK out of it. I'm not kidding. They tried to have a rally. They had two guys. It was right after I moved out of the town, too. I never liked the town because there was no opportunities, but I'd never been more proud of the people in it because they tried the KKK tried to have a rally, and my whole town showed up and ran them off throwing bottles at them. They throwed soda bottles so they couldn't get in trouble with the police because the police had to allow them their opportunity because they filed paper to stand on the steps of the courthouse. There's something I want to see stopped. I don't think you should have a right to step stand on the steps of the courthouse and preach a terrorist message. There's something I want taken care of. There's something everyone in that town wanted taken care of. And they were going to do it too. Don't have any mistake. They were going to do it. And they did. They ran them out. Um, the KKK felt threatened, all two of them. And they left that town. That town was a very safe little place in a lot of ways. It was a lot of ways for all of its problems. That will always be a sacred part of my heart, knowing that I come from a place that did that. Um, in my experiences with poverty, I know what it's like to be told, show up during a snowstorm or you're fired. Um, in my experiences in life, and this is where we get into being a pagan. I've had people tell me how terrible I am when they see the Mjolnir that I wear on my neck or they see the one tattooed on my arm now. Um, the difference is I can hide that relatively easily if I throw a jacket on or if I tuck it in my shirt. You can't hide being black. So I only got to experience it by virtue of being too stubborn to hide it. Because I believe if you have to hide something, that's wrong. I've had black people tell me they have to be careful about how they dress. 
that they need to dress in a non-threatening way because you don't want white people to think you're bad news. Um, that hurts to know that the world is like that because for me, changing how I dress to be accepted in the white world, if you will, requires that I tuck a Mjolnir in my shirt and I wear something with a short or long cut sleeve that covers up my tattoo. That sucks. That is terrible. And I don't know what to say at that point. Because you can't just stop being black. So I only know what it's like for a few seconds out of a day, out of a moment. But I can, I can tell you something that might sound familiar. I had, at one point, went to register my small business. I do tarot card readings. I practice mysticism. It's part of being pagan. Part of being pagan, and I got, I've gotten very good at it over the years. I've made a decent living out of it now. Far better than I did when someone who benefited by me being poor was in charge of me. Far, far better than that. A thousand times better than that. Maybe not a thousand. Definitely not a thousand. Uh, at least two or three times better than that, for sure. Maybe more than that. And I've had the opportunities to meet amazing people because of that. But I still remember registering my small business because we lived in a very large city for a little bit. And then registering it in a very small city. And I remember walking in and trying to explain to them what I do. It's a very small town. Very small town. Population, I think, 10,000. Maybe not even. And I remember the small business person, the person in charge of the tax office, looks at me. And she goes, well, we don't have your kind around here. I was like, oh, well, you got a sign at the street at the grocery market for a psychic reader who does these uh, these things that I do. And that tells me that they're not paying taxes, but I want to. So maybe you should let me pay taxes like the good, honest citizen I am instead of criticizing me for wanting to do the right thing. I thought I could go a little bit longer on this. I'm drinking glasses of tea in between here. Um... But my throat's kind of blistering because, as I said, I've been talking with friends today and just trying to make connections and keep people safe. And they, when someone asks me, what do I do? How do I deal with this? I'm usually a pretty good source for figuring things out. So I'm trying to give people as much direction from my years of experience, but also from the fact that I'm a pretty quick thinking guy. Um but it's left my third a little roll, so I'm gonna I'm gonna punch through that and hit on this a little more. What we have in common is poor people, because poor people and black people get a lot of the same treatments at different points. Not all the time, not at the same level. What we have in common is that someone benefits from us being at each other's throat, especially poor black people and poor white people. They benefit from infighting because if you will, if you can blame it on that other person across the street, you can make it their fault. You can convince them that that other person is stealing your jobs. You can convince them that that other person is the reason why 
we can't give you 40 hours a week. We got to give you 32. You can convince them that that other person is the reason why we have to cut your hours down to 12 hours a week. And if you get another job, we'll have to cut them down to four because you won't be available to schedule. Sorry, that's just the tough luck. If we can convince you that that other person, if you're black, that other person's white and they're poor and you're poor, and it's their fault, they benefit. I say we because I'm getting in the mind frame of those people to try and try and understand how they do it to us. I don't know what it's like to go out and not be safe around a police officer. Because for the most part, I've not had a lot of bad experiences with police officers. I've had a few. I've had a few, not many. Um, I've met cops who I grew up with when they were kids who became arrogant. Arrogant SOBs. And I've also seen cops be really sweet and kind and generous people. I know too many good cops to believe that they're all bad. But I know that the same people who benefit from poor white people and poor black people, poor people in general, infighting, are probably the same people that benefit from you not trusting the cops. They benefit from you not being able to get legal representation in the system when you are discriminated against, when you're treated unfairly. They benefit from bad labor practices being passed in the past 50 years that should have never been allowed to be created that universally hamper anyone's ability to work their way up. And since a larger portion of the population who are black or poor, that means it ensures that that part of the population can't claw its way up even harder than it does for the white people who can't because you're also dealing with all the other problems you deal with. I've said this like a dozen times during this program, and I shouldn't have to, but I want to reinforce it so that you don't take what I say the wrong way. I'll never understand what you're going through. Um, I don't even know if I want to say I want to understand what you're going through because that would require I experience it. I don't think I want that. I don't want you to experience it either. I have yearned for equality in this world since I was a very young man and seeing people I know resort to racism and I stood up against it because human is human at the end of the day. And that should be enough for everyone, in my mind at least. But maybe I'm not normal or maybe I am normal and maybe what is abnormal is the loud mouth minority of racists. And what I mean by that is you have racists that try to say they speak for all of us and they don't. And then they try to say, well, this person caused your problems and they didn't. And they play every card and every idea that they can trying to pit you against me and, and me against you. When the reality is that someone somewhere is benefiting from this and it's not me. Um, I've benefited from white privilege in the sense that I've been able to go to a store and expect to be treated like a white person. I have also experienced discrimination because 
people found out what my religion was. So I'm not particularly good at hiding anything because, again, I wear my heart on my sleeve and my Mjolnir over top my shirt most days. In fact, anymore all days because you don't make change without representing who you are. But I can't imagine what it was like to not be able to have that transition period where I was able to put the Mjolnir under my shirt and be a little bit of a coward and hide because you've never been able to do that if you're black and in America. You can't. There's no hiding it. Um, and that sucks. And I don't know what else to say except that it sucks and that we've got to change it. The world has to change because too many generations have been here under these conditions and worse conditions. And too many people have fought and died going all the way back to the Civil War, World War One, World War Two, and in every major war. Because everybody who signed up for the military and is of a minority race signed up as a representation of this country. And for every one of them that died, that was someone dying for this country. And if this country is going to have people die for it, then it should be able to do right by those people. Too many people have been crushed and just destroyed. And before the coronavirus hit, a buddy of mine who can choose to speak up and identify themselves if they, they want to, I know they'll hear this, said to me, I got to eat my hat. And I said, what's that? And he says, I used to uh, argue with you about essential employees not deserving 15 an hour, but these are the people out in the middle of a pandemic. Well, got bad news for you. Most people who were on the essentials list were also black, or I should say most black people working in the U.S. were on the essentials list. I shouldn't say most essentials because there is a numbers disparity. There are more white people than black people, so you might wind up with like a 50-50 split in the workforce or a 60-40 in either direction, depending on the town you live in. And it might even be more biased depending on the town you live in. But in a world where they're not giving you any other opportunities to put you down even further as criminal, that's a change that I can attest to needs to happen because it took literally everything I know and everything I'm able to do between mysticism, business acumen, and everything I learned working in retail about how to work with people and how to run a business from watching how they ran it and getting the good parts and discarding the bad, you know, tyrannical parts to get myself out of that spot in my life. And even then I had help. And had I not had help, I would still be there to this day waiting for the day that my ankles gave out completely or my knee finally buckled all the way or my back blew completely out and that I never walked again or never had the strength to lift anything again because someone somewhere decided that my upper value stopped at $10 an hour. And that was after 15 years. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. We've got to change that part of the system. We've got to change the rest of the system too. I don't know what it's like on, to be on the on the receiving end of police brutality. I don't. And I hope I never do. But I've met enough people who have, and I've met enough people who have been hurt 
or beaten or harassed by the police. And that has to change, and it will. And that's not just because I said it will. Because I have faith in one thing outside of my gods, outside of my religion, outside of the nightly virtues and codes and what we call the nightly agreements, Nights of Awakening. I have faith in one thing beyond that, and that is the will of humanity to overcome and grow stronger and be better than it was yesterday. It is not good enough. We have not, we have not done good enough. We have not. And at the end of the day, we cannot look at it and say we've done good enough just because people are not enslaved anymore. Because sadly, you're still being abused. Sadly, you're still having opportunities ripped from you so that someone else can make a buck. And now you're getting people convinced that they got to pit against each other because they're both poor and have to be a different races. Yeah, that doesn't fly. What we've done is not good enough. Yeah, maybe you can go to the same schools as the white folk, but that doesn't mean you don't get side-eyed by the white teacher. It doesn't mean you don't get harassed by white students and it's wrote off as, well, you know how kids are. You know, I got bullied in school because I didn't do anything wrong. Because I wouldn't cheat on tests. I literally would do nothing wrong. And as a result, I was considered the oddball out. I had other kids, white kids, funny for you, because again, it was a very mixed town, but it was also a town that had known segregation, as most towns in the U.S. have. So everyone kind of stayed to their own clique. And I didn't have a clique, but apparently the white kids who hated me thought that I was their clique. So they stomped my feet and kicked me in the nuts and hit me outside the back of the head at any opportunity. And back then I was a pacifist because I honestly believed that violence never solved anything until I'd taken enough hits to the back of the head and kicks to the nuts. It took more than you'd think. It really took a lot more than you'd think and stomps to the feet where I said, wow, I'm going to have to fight for peace. I don't know what it's like to have that on top of being black. I can't imagine. But I can look it through it. I can look at it through the lenses that I have. I can look at it through my life experiences and the bad parts and get an idea so that I can sympathize and get an idea so that I can say, if you are hearing this and you some of these experiences are similar for you, then multiply that by a thousand if you're white and you get an idea on a small scale, on a small scale of what it's like to be black. Not a complete picture, but a little bit. You're starting to get the idea of it. I want to leave this with a comparison that I made because someone asked, you know, well, why are they rioting? Well, first of all, a lot of the riots, I say most, I, I should, you know, I think, honestly, I believe most. From more evidence that comes in, most of the riots are people that were planted and turned peaceful protests into riots. Some of the riots was because every group of people is going to have at least one bad one somewhere who wanted to always see what it was like. But what about the good people that just went off because they've been under so much? Well, I gave this comparison to someone, and I'm going to give it here again. 
It's like having Superman be the bad guy in your life. You watch as he beats people up, hurts people, and takes everything from them. There's nothing you can do. You watch people go up against him and challenge him, and they break their fists when they hit him. So for the longest time, you don't do anything. You don't do anything at all because you know it doesn't do any good. And you sit there and, and you experience the pain and the horror of knowing that at any moment he could come for you, but he doesn't. Or maybe he does. And maybe he's just a little bit gentler with you so you get to survive it. Or maybe he's not and you're just really lucky. And that's a hell of a way to be lucky, isn't it? Because you survived, you're lucky. That's that's a, a hell of a lottery to deal with, isn't it? Then one day, you see him kill someone who maybe they were close to you, maybe they weren't, but they were one of your people. And you get so angry that you can't do anything else but run up to him and break your fists on him. That's my response to why the rioting started and why the looting started. And if people don't get the analogy, it's because, yeah, it doesn't fix the problem. And yeah, maybe it just hurts the neighborhood you're in. But you were out of other things to do. And sometimes you just got to swing wild. I don't condone violence. I don't condone the riots because they've led to violence. But I can't condemn anyone who was driven to the point of having no other response. And if you want to take the Superman analogy one step further, eventually you just light his favorite ice cream powder on fire because you've run out of other things to do. Because it's the only thing left you can think to hurt him with. Well, that's what it must be like. Looking at the world, looking at what you're faced with, because of all the things when you rose up and had a voice, rather than accepting that this needs to change and hearing from your leaders that there would be sweeping reforms and investigations and that we as a nation were going to do something about this, rather than that being what you heard, a lot of what you heard was to sit down or we will shoot you. And when that didn't work, you were shot. Sometimes with rubber bullets, sometimes with live ammo. Maybe you were gassed with pepper spray. Or maybe you were gassed with something like tear gas. I know a lot of people are trying to play the whole, well, they don't use tear gas anymore. Well, you know what? I, what are we going to call it? Cough, cough, hurt my lungs if I have asthma, kill me gassed? Because that's what it is. That's what it is. Maybe it's not tear gas by definition, but it's screw you up gas, make your life worse gas. That's what it is. And they're going to hit you with this because you were there peacefully. We had a senator get maced. And then after all of that, you, you're waiting for someone to say, look, we're going to make this right. And instead, someone says, look, we're going to drop the full power of the military on you. I would, I would be beside myself with rage. And I cannot condemn any people that are beside themselves with rage. But I can't ask you to remember that a lot of us, the majority of us who are out there and are watching this, are supporting you and doing everything we can to help you in this. And we don't always know what to do. 
Maybe the only thing we can do is try to relate to you and then try to help other people relate to what you're going through with stories of our lives and saying, look, if I went through this, they're going through a thousand times worse. And if you went through something like I did, you need to take, multiply it by a thousand, and then you'll see what it's like. Maybe that's all they can do. That's all I can do right now. That's all I can do as an ally right now. But it's what I'm doing. And it's not enough. And it'll never be enough. Because enough implies that I can feel like, I don't know, solace at the end of the day. But no amount of solace is going to bring a man back who's dead. And no matter how much I do, no matter how many people I talk to or how many posts I make on Facebook or radio programs I do, nothing is going to bring that man back. And I had to watch him die and wish that I was there. And people say, why? Because you know what? I'm 300 and some pounds charging and I may not be able to fight real good anymore. I got bad knees and I got bad feet. But if I run into this guy while he's pepper spraying me, I can knock him off of him. And to wish I was there to do that much. And to hear so many of my friends wish that they were there to do that much. And to know that the only thing we can do is wish. That that's what we're left with is wishing that we were there. That's all we've got that we can do. It'll never be enough. It'll never be enough because there weren't enough people there that would do something or could do something or knew how or had the training. I boxed when I was young. So I know how to hurt and I know how to be hurt and I know how to enjoy that pain for a brief moment, even though it burns and it stings. I know how to look at it and go, you know what? Fine. I'm going to embrace this pain. I know how to do that. But most people don't. Most people have lived peaceful lives. Most white people, for sure, have lived relatively peaceful lives. So they're left with wishing they could have done it, wishing they had some of my life experiences or wishing they had some of my friends' life experiences. They're left wanting to have done something and knowing they couldn't, so it'll never be enough. But one day, we will have made a difference as a collective group of people, as American citizens. One day, we will have made that change. And you know what? It'll never have been enough, because in our souls and in our hearts for the rest of our lives, we will remember that a man was killed and crushed to death by a man who is supposed to represent the best of us. And it will never be enough for any of my friends that are cops. It'll never be enough for any of my friends that are in the military. It'll never be enough for any of the countless people that I've known in my life who see their life being on the nightly path. It won't be enough for, the, for any of us who've experienced anything like a tenth of what you've been through. It will never be enough because in our heart of hearts, we will always have wished we could have done something sooner than that, too. That we could have prevented it. That we would have changed the system sooner. That it didn't take this much to make a change and to get people moving. But at the end of the day, we're not some kind of insect hive mind. We're individuals. And our reach only goes so far. And we can only achieve so much at the end of every day. So we're left with wishing it was enough. Wishing we could have done more. And I don't know what this program will do. I don't know how it will reach you or how you will take it. I don't know if you'll understand what I meant or if you'll take it as an offense for me daring to compare my life to yours. Because I'm not. I'm not. 
I would say that I would trade lives with you if I could, but I don't know if I could. Not with who I am now. I guess you grow into suffering. I did learn that when I boxed, that you start out not being able to deal with things, and then you learn to. But I know as I am now, if I was just supplanted into the life you're in now, I couldn't deal with it. I would not be functional for a very long time, if ever. So I don't know what you're going through. And I know it'll never be enough. But know that you have allies. You have people that want this to change. And we are going to harass our senators and our congressmen and our president. We are going to hold all of them accountable. Except for the black senator who got maced for being in a protest. You know I can't hold that man accountable because he did everything I've wanted senators to do. Okay? He went out there and marched as a senator and got maced. I can't say, I, I have nothing against him. That man was the sterling example of what I want in a representative. But I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure more people like him are in office. I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that the people who are in office who have overlooked this and sidestepped this for their own benefit and for their own self-aggrandizement, who have made deals and cut corners and done all of these things and have pushed an agenda that tries to pick you against me and me against you so that we don't look at what they've done and we don't see how they've ingrained it in the system. I am going to make sure they know that I am watching and I'm going to make sure that they know that we are all watching and we will have them removed from office. And it won't happen right away, but we will not, as a people, forget what happened right now. We will not forget what happened days ago and we will not forget where people were and what they were doing when this was done. And this goes for the good police officers. They will not forget the people that were representing them who did nothing when these crises happened except issue threats. And we will see a turnover in this government. And there will be a change. That, I promise you. Because we're not going to rest until it does. That's what those of us who are not on the front lines, who can't be on the front lines, or have no other way to help, are going to do. And it's not enough. Because at the end of the day, for the rest of our lives, a nation is going to go to sleep remembering a man begging to be allowed to breathe while another man mocked fun at him. And we will not forget. And we will not forgive that it got to this point and that it's been at this point. And that it took this, and it took a seeing it, to do something about it. And that's all I can do. And it will never be enough. And I wish, I wish I could do more. I wish for that all the mysticism that I've learned, and all the divination that I could see a perfect path to fixing this. And I wished for all the training I've done in my life in all of the different areas that I could harness all of that and I could move the world and make it better. But I can't. And it kills me that I can't. And I can only imagine what you're going through. And I can't say that I'm right there with you because I don't know what it's like. But I can tell you, you're not going to stand alone. And I can tell you that 
I'm going to fight for change. And I've been fighting for change a long time. And it's why I joined the Knights of Awakening, because I believe that we can make a better world. That's what it means to be a knight, that we sit down and we decide that we're not just going to stand back. And if we don't know what we're going to do, we learn, we grow, and we get a little bit better. When I joined this program, I could not have conveyed this message. I did not have the skill. I did not have the life experience to do this in a way that would have done it justice. And I don't think this does it justice. But it's closer than it would have been, God, what, 10 years ago now? It's closer. It's not enough. I didn't have the knowledge of how police forces run or what proper restraint procedures were or CPR or even how to restrain someone in a fight or how to defend myself when I started out all of this. And I don't know everything, but I know a little more than I did. I didn't have the calm presence of mind to try to make a difference when things went bad when I started out, but I've gotten a little bit better. And I've grown. And that's what this, that's what Knights of Awakening is about, is trying to make a difference, trying to wake people up and show them that they can make a difference in the world. I cannot ever condone violence, and I will not. People are dying, and that breaks my heart. And I have to watch people die, and I have to watch shop owners, black and white, cry tears of pain as what they worked their whole lives for are burned to the ground by instigators and plants, people that were put there to make this look worse than it should look. And what I mean by that is to make it look like peaceful protests or riots. And I guarantee you this, I'm going to be making a push for us to do something about that too. Because we have to have some investigation into that. Because we cannot allow people to manipulate us through violence and then say, yeah, that's what that's what those people over there always wanted to do. We cannot allow that. For those people that acted in violence because they were so fed up that they could find no other outlet, I believe there should be mercy alongside justice. I believe that these kind of things need to be weighed with what was done. And I think destruction of property should get a bit of a pass. I think destruction of life should be taken into concern with that. And I think alongside that, we need things like law reform and prison reform. Because right now, if you go into prison as a thief, you come out a murderer, whether you want to or not. And that needs to change as well. There's a whole lot in the system needs to change. And it's a big dragon. It's a hydra. It's a hydra with a thousand heads. And I've been doing what I know how to chop away at it. I talk mysticism because it's what I know. And it's how I was able to pull myself out of having nothing. And I hope that other people can too by learning the things that I learned. By using those skills that I gained. I've done that for a long time now. And it's rare for the mystic of the Knights of Awakening to get up and charge a battle cry, and it's rare that he is the one, that I am the one that does that, but I can't sleep. I can't sleep knowing I didn't record this tonight, 
I can't sleep knowing that I didn't do one more thing. And I wish I could do more. And I wish I had been there. And I wish that all the people that I know and love who would have joined me in stopping this would have been there. But wishing is empty. So now we're going to do something about it. And that's why I interrupt your regularly unscheduled broadcast on how to read tarot cards and do runes and do magic and worship gods and do all those other things that I help you learn how to do. That's why I interrupt that today. That's why I do this video instead of any of the others. Because all of those other things you'll come back to and maybe you'll make a better life for yourself with them. But for today, whether you're black or white or any other race, you need to know that people are standing with you. That while we have not shared all of your experiences, we know how to empathize from the experiences we've had when the world was not fair to us. And that we understand that the magnitude of what you're going through is many thousand times greater than what we have experienced. But that because we've experienced injustice, because we know what it's like to hurt, we will stand with you. And we will not waver. Because we also know that for every injustice we allow, we are one step closer to allowing total injustice. And that for every evil act that is committed against you, the rest of the world is at risk. And that even beyond that, just for the simple fact that you're human, that in reality, nothing separates us except for the society that has been trying to separate us. That in reality, the color of your skin was never there. Not in a sense that meant anything to the world, to physics, to science, to mysticism, to any of it, but that because a society has moved to deem it so, we recognize that's not the right way it should be, and that someone has to fight to change it. Justin has not approved me saying this, so I'm sure he's going to, at the very end, tag a little bit of audio on saying that he backs me up on this, or the fact that he's going to post what I have to say next and it's not going to get edited out will do it well enough. We at the Knights of Awakening stand with you in changing this world. We will not allow this world to continue being what it is, and it has been our battle cry for a very long time to change the world, and this will be one part of it that we are going to put focus and effort on, to making it better, to making it different, to changing things for the better, and it's all we can do. At the end of these shows, I usually tell you to awaken the night within. And it's become a catchphrase. It's become a slogan. Every once in a while, I skip it. It's pretty rare. Um, I don't know what else to say. I want you to awaken the night within. If you're a black person struggling, I want you to find the night within yourself that's able to stand up and fight against this. If you're a white person watching this struggle, I want you to fight the night within yourself that lets you stand up against this. If you're a poor person or a well-to-do person, 
or a rich person. I want you to awaken the night within and champion the cause that should have been championed and has been championed by greater men than us and by greater women than us in the past. And we realize that it's time now to champion it again. That's what I say when I mean, that's what I mean when I say to awaken the night within. And I hope that you all do that. I'll do another show on mysticism at some point. But today I had to do this. My throat is blistered. And I've made it an hour for what I had promised myself I would make at least 30 minutes of. And it's not enough. Because I still can't bring that man back. But I hope I can inspire you to awaken the night within. And help me change the world. Help me help you change the world. Help us, all of us, change this world. Because we can. Because that's what it means to be a knight. Thank you. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.